please send Mashiach now. I just want to give a shomer drop here on the term Yehudi, which is the word that's commonly translated as Jew, but there are no J's in Hebrew. So there's that. But uh, this is a compilation of just kind of some insights that was put together by Dr. Sakal. And he's talking about the... Let's see, what is he talking about? He's, he's talking about a lot of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, Dr. Sakal Shlita is bringing stuff down about a Yehudi and bringing the stuff down about Hashem and Yehudi is a part of the name of Hashem and all that. So anyway, uh, over here he says, and the insight, it says, Jew, Yehudi in Hebrew, where does it actually derive? We don't even see the term Yehudi in our text until Megillat Esther, the book or the scroll of Esther, Slika. And that's what we read on Purim. It says, In Megillat Esther, Mordecai refused to bow down to the wicked Haman. It says, A man, a Jew, Ish Yehudi, was in the Shushan capital. He was in Shushan, the capital, and his name was Mordecai. The Talmud observes that Mordecai didn't come from the tribe of Yehuda. Rather... He belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. He should thus have been called Mordecai the Benjamite, which is Yemini. You ever heard of a uh, Nusak, which is a custom tradition uh, type thing, you know, like Sephardi, Ashkenazi, and there's one called Yemenite? Well, guess what? Yemini is how you say Benjamite, which sounds really close to Yemenite. And from what was brought down in Insights last week, uh, specifically from one of our other Avengers, from a source called To Be a Jewish Woman. So yes, it was a female Avenger. <laughs> she shall remain invisible. But anyway, now seriously, she brought this down. Uh, and it was in there, it was saying that each tribe had their own Nusak. So, like, if you were Sephardi, you were Sephardi because you were part of such and such tribe. You were Ashkenazi because you were part of such and such tribe. Moroccan, Yemenite, whatever we want to get into and all that, right? Those are different tribes. So the different customs that are practiced in the different uh, seders, if you will, order of prayer services, come from the different tribes. So you literally have 12 different types of worship that are found within the Yehudim. So if you think about what this is really saying is though, even though Mordecai was from the tribe of Benjamin, he was still called a Yehudi. And that's really the name of the game. So connecting that to what I just mentioned about the different uh, customs and practices that, okay, so you say the Kiddish and Hamotzi before you bless the children and all that. Okay, well, maybe that's the way you roll. Uh, I'm talking about Shabbat stuff, like on Arab Shabbat, you know, when you do candle lighting, 
Now, everybody lights the candles first because it's not Shabbat until the candles are lit. You know, so Hashem's candles is, all right, I put three stars in the sky. So, you know, I did my thing because that's that's officially nightfall when three stars are in the sky. But anyway, um, yeah, so we all light candles and like, okay, some people are going to go do uh, some psalms. Some people are going to go do some singing. Some people are going to do some uh, some passages of scripture, you know. Some people are going to do uh, the Zimrope book that they have. Some people are going to go by their Sidur. Some people are just going to light candles and just go right to the, the Kiddush and the Hamotzi. Okay. But guess what? Everybody's keeping Shabbat. So, you know, this is one of the cool things about uh, when when the world receives healing and we get to go back over each other's houses and, again, that this is why you shouldn't be embarrassed about what you do for Arab Shabbat. When you invite someone over for Shabbat, that there's a way that you do it. And it's going to bless the people you invite because something you do is going to stick out. And the person's going to be like, oh, my goodness, I really like that. I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm going to have to add that to what we do. Figure out how to do that. You know, and so it is true. Like, you never know. There's just something that's inspirational if we look for it but the thing is we have to look for it and that's what we got to focus on looking for inspiration and we can find that in each other so that's what we need to have in mind because we are we don't all have the same way of observing and there we're all at different levels we're all at different stages and different phases so to look down on someone and say they're not doing good enough is not not appropriate because the only reason you would be saying that is because you're not doing good enough literally self-incrimination because remember if we're really guarding our speech we're going to make sure that we say something positive and building up and not negative we're not going to you know publicly blast somebody we're not going to talk behind somebody's back to somebody else and say, Oh, that person, they don't even eat kosher. Like, I don't even think you need to go over their house. Like, you know, that's just not good. That kind of stuff. So, uh, when that gets moved out of the way, Mashiach could be back. But anyway, until then, uh, we need to work on that. Shake some things off with the Omer count. The Omer counts a wave offering. So shake it off, shake it off. Anyway, it uh, goes on to say that the Talmud proceeds to state that anyone who denies idolatry and thereby acknowledges God is called a Yehudi. Yehuda is to praise God constantly, by the way, and that's what Yehuda means, to praise God constantly. He was emblazoned on a Yid's very being. It says the nature of God is is one of the few areas of abstract Jewish belief where there are a number of clear-cut ideas about which there is little dispute or disagreement. God exists. The fact of God's existence is accepted almost without question. Proof is not needed and is rarely offered. The Torah begins by stating, in the beginning God created. It does not tell who God is or how he was created 
In general, Judaism views the existence of God as a necessary prerequisite for the existence of the universe. The existence of the universe is sufficient proof of the existence of God. So that was totally said. And I'm like, dude, that's insane. What in the world? Just going to go back over my notes here. Make sure I didn't skip anything. Cause I mean, he, I mean, he had so much stuff. He, he, he just decided to just let all his, his, uh, his portals open. You know, Dr. Call did this. He ends, uh, the drop. It says God is holy and perfect. So yep, that that's true. Uh, there was a story that was in here about the two yodes. That was really the main point that I wanted to go with. And let's see if I can find it. There it is. As a young pupil, so Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem for having me find it. The Hasidic master, Reb Yisrael of Ruzin, was instructed by his teacher that whenever he saw two dots next to each other, he was to pronounce God's name. Now, at the end of a verse in the Torah, in the Torah, there are also two dots, one above the other. That evening at home, the young Reb Yisrael began to read. And every time he reached the end of a verse, he uttered God's name. His father reprimanded him. What's going on here? Who taught you that? The boy responded, my teacher did. He taught me that whenever I see two dots together, I should pronounce God's name. So that's what I'm doing. Reb Yisrael's father explained to his son, the dot, the yod, represents a Jew. When one Jew is beside another, when one Jew respects the other, then God dwells in their presence. Their alliance becomes God's name. But... When one Jew is on top of the other, when one Jew thinks he's better or smarter than the next or disrespects his neighbor, then that's the end of the passage. It creates a separation in the relation between a Jew and God. So. I loved that because that really points to why this whole thing about being a new creation. And that's truly what a Jew is, is that people who are born again and people who are made new realize that realize something or Bezrat Hashem, we realize something that before we were born again, we were not currently where we were. We were on who knows where we were like gutter babies, you know, uh, baby's kids, um, you know, just ratchet lifestyle far from a shim. And I could say far from a shim, but I don't necessarily mean you were like so far away, like ridiculous, but you weren't as close as you were to a shim. You weren't as close as you are to a shim. Now that's the main thing. 
Like before you were born again, where you are now with the Shem, you weren't there before. And so when you realize that every morning or every every night when you retire and every morning when Hashem returns your soul to you, you realize you're born again right there. This is a new opportunity to bless Hashem. This is a new opportunity to get ready for redemption because, again, this is the time we say the, the famous declaration known as love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, your, your resources. Now, it's called the Shema. And when you say the Shema, that's you proclaiming being set free from exile and brought forth into redemption. So you're literally at least twice a day, if not more, entering into aspects of the redemption. So by the time that the redemption's fully revealed, you're already prepared. This is why Mashiach told us no one knows the day or the hour because Judaism teaches you to be ready every day and every hour. Because you're always supposed to be repenting. You're always supposed to be born again you're all always supposed to be transforming there's never a moment where you're taught by torah or mitzvot by the prayers by the acts of kindness by whatever you do as a jew there's there's nothing that teaches us to to go back to our old way to to divert from the path of Hashem. Everything teaches us cleave and attach to him. Be made new. Transform. Come out of your old way of thinking. Come into a new consciousness. Bring godliness into the world. Be who Hashem created you to be. You lose your life that in your own thinking for the sake of finding it. You know, lose yourself in the service of Hashem. Get caught up in his glory, if you will. And, and furthermore not just caught up in his glory and forgetting about the world, but caught up in his glory so that you can bring it into the world, bring the glory of God into the world, manifest the glory of God in your house, manifest the glory of God in how you drive and how you shop, you know, when it's time to go to the store and stuff. That's, that's what being a Jew is. And so that's why when we have, more and more people experiencing these wake-up calls, that's why we change and transform the world and darkness and chaos is transformed into light and shalom and redemption. May it be that Hashem sends Mashiach now and may we be made new now.